This is Crossroads with Clayton King. Have you ever noticed how hard it is to move sometimes? I mean, like, actually get up off the couch, get up out of the recliner, get up from the table after a delicious meal, or here's one, how hard it is to get up out of bed in the morning when that alarm clock goes off. It's hard because it's important. Movement brings life. Physical movement keeps our bodies young. Spiritual movement is what we call faith. When you step out on faith, you've got to move from where you feel comfortable to a place where you don't feel quite as assured. This message will help you move more and increase your faith. So buckle up and listen. Here we go. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. This is one of the reasons why I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I love Jesus because Jesus brings me life. Jesus promised us life and movement brings life. This is a scientific fact. When you move, you live. My son is 16. His uh, basketball team, his 16 and up basketball team is playing today in the championship, but he's got to watch from the sidelines because he tore his ACL, his MCL, and his meniscus on December 27th, all right? He's got surgery coming up. We find out tomorrow when the surgery's gonna be. And his physical therapist, who's one of our best friends, he's here at this campus, he told uh, Jacob and I, when I took Jacob for his first physical therapy appointment, you've gotta move your knee. You gotta move. You gotta move it. He said, make your son move his knee because when he moves his knee, it keeps it alive. Movement gets blood flow to the injured place. Blood brings oxygen, oxygen brings healing. Movement brings life. So follow this train of thought. Jesus promised us life. Movement brings life. Oh, by the way, this just in, it's now a scientifically proven fact, and I'm happy to announce to you, they have proven once and for all the best way to lose weight. Eat less, move more. Eat less, move more. Jesus promised us life. Movement brings life. So when God wants us to move, he does it because we live when we move. When God says move, when God says take a step, when God says move out of your comfort zone, it's always so that we can live. God wants us to move because when we move, we live. Because it's just a fact. Movement brings life. My grandmother died of uh, cancer when I was a, a seven-year-old little boy, but when I was about five, they diagnosed her with rheumatoid arthritis. And the doctor told her, now that you have arthritis, you're gonna have to get in a wheelchair and for the rest of your life, for what life you have left, you're gonna experience a lot of pain. Moving is gonna be difficult, it's gonna hurt, so we'll try to keep you medicated and keep the pain um, managed. And I remember specifically my grandmother telling me and um, my little brother and my mom and dad, we we're all eating a meal together, she says, I may have to go to a wheelchair one day, but not until I absolutely have to, because I know that if I sit down and just sit there, I'm gonna die faster. I'm gonna move until I can't move anymore. There's 
great wisdom to God telling us to move, to take a, a step of faith, to do something hard, to take a challenge, to obey God and get out of our comfort zone. But I wanna make sure before I get to the scripture that nobody misunderstands this message today or our family value of making bold moves as a works-based salvation. That is not what I'm preaching. That's not what I'm teaching. That's not what your leadership team or your, or your teaching team believes. We believe you are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We're only saved by God's grace. But when we are saved by God's grace, God calls us to move. When you're saved and you become a Christian, you ask Jesus to come into your life, God has an assignment for you. God has things he wants us to accomplish. And we don't do them in the power of our flesh. We do them by the power of the Holy Spirit aligned with our brothers and with our sisters in the family of God. So we are not saved by good works, but we are saved by grace so that we can move into good works. Dallas Willard actually says it better than I could. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. So we're not making bold moves to try to earn God's love because we already have it, right? Jesus loved us. This we know for the Bible tells us so. So we don't have to earn God's love, but that doesn't mean that we make no effort to walk in obedience. So grace is not opposed to our efforts, it's just opposed to us trying to earn God's love. Dallas Willard said that, and I agree a thousand percent. So what I wanna do for the next few minutes is I wanna show you in the Bible a character that we've all probably heard of, he's well known, maybe the most famous and popular New Testament character beside Jesus, and I wanna show you how in the life of Peter, Jesus was constantly calling him to move. And because he obeyed and moved when Jesus called him to move, he has a life that we read about and a story that inspires us, and he is one of the pillars of the church. I want to show you in the life of Peter that just when you think you've arrived where you need to be, the Holy Spirit's going to be right there telling you, move again, move again, move again. And we're all at different stages in our Christian life, and we're all at different places on the spiritual map. I've been a Christian 33 years. And honestly, for me, if I could just put my cards on the table, this coming March, so next month will be 33 years in ministry for me. And it would be easy for me at 46 internally to just kind of put it on automatic pilot and coast the rest of the way. But I don't want to do that because I don't want to sit on the sideline. That's where we all start. We all start on the sideline. There's four different lines we're gonna look at in the life of Peter and they're all gonna apply to you and they're all gonna apply to me. Peter was on the sideline. His name was Simon, Simon Peter, and he lived in a place called Galilee. He was from a town called Capernaum. Let's look at Peter because the first time we're introduced to him in the scriptures, he's on the sidelines. Mark chapter one, verses 16 and 17. As Jesus walked beside, do you see that? As he walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. So Simon is on the sidelines. He saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me. In other words, when Jesus says, follow me, he is saying, move. And I will send you out to fish for people. Or if you read another translation, he says, I will make you fishers of men. 
You know how to catch fish, but I'm gonna teach you how to catch people. You know how to find where the fish are, but I'm gonna teach you to go where the people are. You've only ever known Galilee. You've only ever known Capernaum. You've only ever known living on this boat and mending these nets. And as far as you know, this is the best life there is. But I'm telling you, there is so much more for you. There are so many things that you cannot even imagine that I'm gonna do with you and through you and in you. But what I need you to do, Peter, I need you to move off the sideline. You gotta make a move, okay? You're comfortable here. It's predictable here. Your people are here. But there is so much more. And the only way you're gonna get from here to there is by making a bold move. So come follow me and I'm gonna show you something. At this moment, Peter had no idea what waited for him. Can you imagine what Peter would have missed if he didn't move? He would have had no story to tell about walking on the water. He would have had no story to tell about watching Jesus speak into a tomb with a rock sealing the entrance and watching Lazarus come out. What he would have missed if he didn't move would be unthinkable. But the Bible says that Peter dropped his nets, left everything, and he followed Jesus. This is the first move. It's the move from the sideline. You know, and for a lot of us, it's easy to get comfortable there. You get comfortable in your role. You get comfortable in your seat. You get comfortable in your predictability. I, I'm a creature of habit. I like for things to be easy. I don't like always being challenged, right? It's easy to get stuck in a rut. I had a conversation with a young lady yesterday. She's 22. She's part of a great church. It's a traditional church, and I love traditional church. I came out of traditional church, but she's trying to help revitalize this older church because they have, kid you not, 47 committees and 150 people on Sunday. So there's one committee for every four people. It's real easy to be active and busy and feel like you're accomplishing something, but you're spinning your wheels and you're not making any movement at all. What Jesus wants to do is say, I know that you're comfortable where you are, but I'm calling you to something else. So if you'll move, there's something good on the other side of that bold move, that step of faith. And this is where Peter moves from the sideline to the starting line. Everybody has to start somewhere. There's no judgment or condemnation for whatever line you're at or whatever spot you're standing in. Jesus just wants you moving. Get moving, move ahead, move forward, take a step. And he moves Peter from the sideline to the starting line. And the starting line is a, a pretty cool experience. Let me read this to you because this is a big moment in Peter's life. It says in Matthew 16, 13 through 19, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Let me show you something here. This is a real place, Caesarea Philippi. I've been there seven times. It's named Caesarea Philippi after two people. It's named Caesarea after Caesar. Caesar was the king of Rome, the, the, the ruler of the Roman Empire. It's named Philippi after Philip, the son of Herod the Great. So this town is named after two earthly kings. Jesus takes his disciples to that place and says, hey, I know there's a lot of buzz about me right now, 
Who do people say that I am? Can y'all tell me what's the word on the street about me? Jesus is testing them. Listen to how they respond. They replied, some say John the Baptist, um, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So there was a lot of confusion about who Jesus was. And then Jesus makes it personal. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? He is pushing for a move. He's challenging, he's gently nudging. Okay, everybody's got their opinions about me, but I wanna know what you have to say. Who do you think I am? And Simon Peter answered. I love Simon Peter because he's not afraid to answer, even if his answer's wrong. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I believe Jesus was pinpointing Peter when he asked that question because he knew Peter would speak up. And when Peter makes his confession, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, your translation may say the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Watch, his name is Peter. Why, does his, why is his name Peter now? I thought his name was Simon, it was. Why is his name Peter now? Because he has just made a confession. He has just said something about Jesus, and the confession was, I believe you're the Messiah. And so the word Peter in Greek literally means rock. We'll be back in just a minute to finish this message. But before we do, I wanted to invite you to pray for us and even attend our 26th annual Crossroads Winter Conference. It's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. This is a student event for middle school and high school students. And it's gonna be Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. It's gonna be Friday, January the 12th through Sunday, January the 14th. This is an amazing student weekend, a big conference with thousands of kids from all over the Southeast, and we'd love for you to come. I'll be preaching there, my wife Shari will be there, our son Jacob will be there. Great worship from folks like Charlie Butrago, great speakers, amazing fellowship. It's gonna be awesome. Go to crossroadswinterconference.com for more information, crossroadswinterconference.com, and you can register your students right now for our winter conference this January in Gatlinburg. Jesus changes Peter's name from Simon to Peter, meaning rock. And he says that the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why did Jesus take them there? He moved them. Listen, listen. This place is 60 miles north of Jerusalem. They had to move from Jerusalem to Caesarea Philippi. It's also dozens of miles from Galilee and Capernaum. So if they went from Capernaum, they had to walk 25 or 30 miles to the gates of hell. Why was it called the gates of Hades or the gates of hell? I mean, we already know it's named after Caesar and Philip, two earthly kings who are not godly, but why do they call it the gates of hell? It was called the gates of hell because there's a cave at Caesarea Philippi where the Jordan River flowed out of the side of Mount Hermon. That cave is still there. That cave is still there today. I've had my picture made there with friends of mine. Me and Dan and Brad have been there. My wife and my children have been there. And that place was a place where people would bring sacrifices to throw into the water so that their pagan god Pan would receive their sacrifices and bless them with fertility, children, a firstborn son, 
and good crops and plenty of rain. Matter of fact, there was a statue there at the gates of hell to the God Pan, half man, half goat. And they would bring their sacrifices there and pray that Pan would bless them. So a, a pagan place where they brought sacrifices to a pagan God named after a Roman Caesar and the son of an earthly, ungodly pagan king. And Jesus moves his disciples from the safety of Galilee and the predictability of Jerusalem. And he takes them all the way up north in Israel to a place called the gates of hell. And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter makes a bold move. I believe you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, great, I'm changing your name because your heart's changed. And this confession that you just made is so powerful and so strong that the gates of hell will not overcome it. In other words, oh, I get so fired up. It's like Jesus is saying, we're taking the fight to the devil. We're taking the fight into darkness. We're not gonna stand back and curse the darkness. Oh, shucks, the world is so bad. Oh, shucks, it just keeps getting worse and worse. Kids these days and drugs and alcohol and addiction and crime and build a wall, tear down a wall, Republicans, Democrats. And we get so fired up and upset and frustrated about the darkness. You know what Jesus is saying? Go to the gates of hell and confess I am Lord and watch what my kingdom can do compared to this kingdom. Quit cursing the darkness, shine a light. Make a move. Now y'all feeling this now, aren't you? Movement brings life. And I'm sweating right now. And I ain't afraid. God wants us to move because he knows it's better for us when we make these bold moves. And look what Jesus, how verse 19 wraps up. He says to Peter, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Hey, for some of us, our bold move is to start using the spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit's given us. Start speaking prophetically to people. Start loosening things on earth. You meet someone who's addicted and you talk to them and you speak to their potential. You may have been addicted before, but in Jesus' name, that alcoholism is broken off of your life. You may have been addicted to pills before, but in Jesus' name, that addiction is broken. You're on the verge of divorce. I speak life into your marriage. In Jesus' name, you can be reconciled. Your kids have rebelled and walked away from God and walked away from church in Jesus' name. Name. I am loosing them. I am taking authority in Jesus' name. Satan has no power. Satan has no control. Satan has no authority. We have that authority, but we got to move. Peter would have missed out on this moment if he'd have stayed on the sideline and kept fishing. What do we miss when we don't move? But this isn't the finish line. There's somewhere else you got to go. You got to go to the front line. The sideline, the starting line, the front line. Maybe Jesus is asking you to move to the, to the front line. I wanna show you something. Between Peter's moment where he confesses Christ as Lord and this moment we're about to read, he had a major setback. He denied that he even knew Jesus. He was in the, the moment, he was fearful. Someone recognized him right before Jesus was being crucified. They said, aren't you one of his disciples? He said, no, I don't know them. I've never met that man. I do not know that man. And he had a big time setback. He failed, he dropped the ball, he messed up big time. But that setback did not disqualify him because he was willing to repent and Jesus was willing to restore. So I want you to know that you don't have to have a perfect linear movement your whole entire life. 
It's not that easy. It's not like you just take off and you walk a straight line your whole life. Our lives and the moves that we make, they kind of look like a zigzag, don't they? You have moments where you win and you have moments where you lose. You have moments where you learn something. You have moments where you forget. But at the end of the day, here's where Jesus wants us. He wants us to move to the front line. Here's Peter, started off at the sideline fishing. Then he moves to the starting line. And then Jesus takes him to Caesarea Philippi and he declares that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus then is crucified, but not before Peter denies him three times. And the setback hurts and it makes him cower in fear. But then the spirit of God comes on the day of Pentecost. Jesus is resurrected from the grave. He ascends into heaven. The day of Pentecost, the upper room, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And now we see Peter on the front line preaching with boldness. Let me show you this move that Peter makes. Acts chapter two, verses 36 and following. Peter preaches to the people in Jerusalem. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? You've got thousands of people ready to make a move because Peter made a move. Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know why Peter is so bold? He let one servant girl scare him the night before Jesus was crucified and he denies he knows Jesus. Now he's preaching to thousands of people and boldly calling them to repent and be baptized. What made the difference, the Holy Spirit? What made the difference? between fear and boldness, the Holy Spirit. And look what happens as a result. The promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000, what? What? 3,000? were added to their number that day. 3,000 salvations in Jerusalem on one day because one man moved. He moved to the front line. He's in the game, he's using his gifts, but that day, the Spirit of God anointed him and 3,000 people were added to that number. The Holy Spirit is always moving us from one act of faith to another. I don't know what your move is, but I know this, when you move, you live. And if you don't move, you die. If you don't move, you get bed sores. If you don't move, you get atrophy. If you get atrophy, it becomes paralysis and eventually you're dead. Just move, make a move. Ask the Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? because there's another line that's called the finish line. I don't know when the finish line's coming for me or when it's coming for you, but it's coming for all of us. And the finish line is that moment when I hope to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Clayton, you were faithful in small things and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you into my kingdom now, a new heaven and a new earth and I'm gonna be forever with Jesus and his people. I can't wait till that day. We don't know what the finish line was for Peter because the Bible doesn't tell us, but church history does. Evidently, Peter, at the end of his life, wound up in Rome, preaching the gospel under the shadow of Caesar's palace. And evidently, according to Origen, a church father, 
Peter was told, stop preaching the gospel or we will kill you. And Peter wouldn't stop preaching the gospel. So they crucified Peter. And the moment he breathed his last breath, he made his final move. He crossed the finish line. And he's been in the presence of God ever since. What would he have missed if he did not move? What are you missing because you're not moving? What is God telling you to do right now in your life that you are making excuses for not obeying? What is God inspiring you to do that might cause you some risk or some fear? What lies on the other side of that big step of faith? Think about what lies on the other side of your obedience and how you could be blessed and others could be blessed by you simply making a move. Hey, I wanna encourage you, whatever God's telling you to do, just do it. Trust the details to Him. You're not in charge, He is. So let's move where God tells us to move. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.